attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Welcome, everyone, to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Before you vote in November, there is a book you absolutely have to read. It's called The Trump Century, How Our President Changed the Course of History Forever. It's written by my friend and colleague at Fox, Lou Dobbs. And of course, for those of you who may not know, but I think everybody does know, Lou is the best-selling author of six books. He's the host of the number one news program on business television, Lou Dobbs Tonight. You can catch it Monday through Friday on the Fox Business Network. He hosts the nationally syndicated Lou Dobbs Financial Reports, airing daily on radio. And if I went through all of the accolades and awards, it would take a half hour, so we'll dispense with that. But Lou, thanks very much for being with us today. You're a great American and a great friend. Great to be with you. And by the way, uh, Lou's book, uh, it's called The Trump Century, comes out on Tuesday, uh, September 22nd in bookstores everywhere nationwide. But right now you can pre-order it on Amazon.com or HarperCollins.com. And I really implore everyone, before you cast a ballot, you really need to read this book. It may change your mind or simply reinforce the vote you intend to cast. But, Lou, uh, let's begin at the beginning. I'm always curious as to why people write books. And you, up front, say, this is why I wrote the book. And I'll quote you. The goal is to provide evidence and solid arguments to help President Trump win re-election. Doing so is more important now after Wuhan. America needs a builder now more than ever. And that that really is a key question, isn't it? It really is. And uh, this president is the man for his time, our time. And as you say, he's a builder. He is a patriot. Uh, he is a man of immense, uh, I would say, unlimited energy uh, and extraordinary talent. Uh, and he is, there has never been a president more reviled, more hated, uh, more Uh, in the uh, crosshairs of every single member, it seems, of the so-called loyal opposition. Uh, They are loyal not to the country nor to this president. Uh, They're loyal to their opposition. And it has been uh, just extraordinary to watch unfold. You've chronicled uh, much of it in in your two books, uh, and and brilliantly, I may add. Uh, It's just horrific to think that a man who has these historic accomplishments, no president, in my opinion, save uh, Abraham Lincoln, has done more, achieved more in his first term than this president. And he is denied the regard that uh, he should uh, receive from all, irrespective of party or ideology. One of the great points you make is that the mainstream media, the liberal media, as well as the radical left, conspicuously avoided uh, debating facts. And instead, they boiled everything down to charges that Trump is a racist, a xenophobe, an authoritarian. 
On page 234 of your book, you make this observation. When you choose to view everything through the lens of racism, you can find it anywhere you like. Ordering a drone hit on a terrorist is equivalent to attacking a person of color. Pressing allies in Europe to pay their fair share of NATO defense, that's xenophobia. Standing up to China on trade, that's anti-Asian. And that really has been the theme of the criticism from the left, including the media, right? Uh, absolutely. And it's, first of all, it's inaccurate. Uh, it's unfair. Uh, and it's, and frankly, it's, it is so puerile uh, to operate at that level, uh, even in politics, uh, where you reduce everything to its uh, basest uh, level. Uh, but that is that is what the Democratic Party has done. They've become the party of hate. Uh, they are they are spewing more bile and venom and just ignorance uh, on a daily basis against this president. Uh, that what he, what he has done is all the more remarkable. Greg, he has done everything. These historic achievements, uh, despite uh, this effort to overthrow him. Uh, we have styled this as a, uh, you know, a, a Russian collusion. The Democrats did. Uh, we found out it wasn't Russian collusion, at least not with the Trump people. It was collusion, in point of fact, with the Democratic National Committee uh, and the Clinton campaign. We find out in docu- documents that have just emerged over the summer uh, that Putin's first choice to be president was Hillary. It's all the inverse. It is Orwellian. The Democrats have turned everything on its head. This president has righted as many wrongs as he could uh, while uh, working full time to defend himself. It's awesome to think what he has had to contend with. First, the effort to block, to use the intelligence agencies, the FBI, the Justice Department, to block his candidacy, uh, then to, when that failed, uh, to block his being elected, that failed. And so once he was elected, they have spent countless hours and immeasurable energy and money trying to overthrow him with the most specious of charges, the most ridiculous uh, uh, constructs uh, to try to overthrow a president of the United States and have done so all the while as the left-wing national media uh, applauds uh, the efforts of the extreme left. It it is something to behold, do have uh, beholded. uh, And now, uh, you know, he is is emerging as the man who is going to uh, move the country to its destiny. And it's uh, the reason for the title, because what he has, he has done uh, will, will last. His legacy cannot be reversed, even by uh, the, the most radical of the uh, extreme left. Uh, his, his legacy is uh, absolutely uh, elemental uh, in, in setting the foundation for this country to achieve everything in its uh, uh, potential for the next uh, the next several decades, I think, for the next century. Yeah, in fact, just playing off the title of your book, I mean, your main thesis is Trump has refashioned the Republican Party. He has set the agenda for this century. 
and a new standard for all future presidents. And then you meticulously lay out his achievements in the course of just three years. And I just want to run through a few of them. Uh, Created a robust economic growth, lifted wages, recorded the lowest unemployment rate, uh, brought home all the manufacturing jobs back to America, stopped China's abusive and unfair trade practices, stemmed the flow of illegal immigration, got rid of uh, NAFTA and the TPP uh, that were killing us economically. He pressured the Fed to drop interest rates, the troop drawdowns in Iraq, Afghanistan. He overhauled the judiciary. Uh, he advanced energy interests in America, slashed regulations, cut taxes. And you know, I, I've only named probably a third of the accomplishments, Lou. Yeah, it's it is. I, I laugh because we could go on and on about all of his achievements. Uh, but it's also that just something that drives the left mad in all of this is that he has done it by being right. He has made the correct decision. He has, he has not been ideological. And that's sort of the stunning thing, I think, to many on the left. One of the reasons they fear him so greatly is he has made a decision based on America first. He has based his decisions on what will make America greater. Uh, he has been unashamedly, unabashedly, uh, unapologetically insisting that we serve the nation's interest in all in all of our activities in the public arena and he has he has maintained great fidelity to america first and the people who scoff do you remember uh greg when at the beginning of his campaign america first the left's first thing they did was try to equate that with the america first movement of the 30s which was (laughs) <laughs> which was isolationist, and that didn't work. And then they had to sort of scratch their heads and say, well, if uh, you don't put America first, what do you put first? Oh, the United Nations, the WTO, the World Health Organization. You'll hear all of the nonsense. And finally, it, the, the scales fell from their eyes, and they realized this president had hit upon the basic tenet of foreign policy, and that is that you have to serve the nation, your nation, a first, and it has from that has flowed everything the president has done, and it has been great fun to watch because it is the most straightforward of logic. It is the purest, purest of values. One of the statements you make that really does resonate is, "What leader of what country would put some other nation first <laughs> and not his own?" And yet. The, you know, the media excoriated Donald Trump, and so did Democrats for making, you know, America the first priority. It's insane. It is. And uh, it's been the case for some de- number of decades that uh, our corporate America has put a lot of other uh, goals, objectives, uh, and, and countries first, U.S. multinationals. Mm-hmm. We're watching right now the Chamber of Commerce the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is having a fit because everything they have tried to lock, and they 
what they bring a billion and a half dollars in lobbying money every year to the to <laughs> Capitol Hill. They're the largest lobbying organization. And they have represented not the United States, not the American worker, not the American family. They've represented U.S. multinationals and their globalist uh, elitist uh, objectives. Uh, and they mean that they should, uh, that they're the reason that so many millions of our jobs were outsourced to cheap foreign labor markets. Uh, they're serving the interests of their corporate masters who demand uh, that uh, they have the cheapest possible uh, uh, product uh, available. Uh, and what that means is that you don't pay a, pay a fair wage to American workers. And that's why our wages for the middle class in this country before President Trump was elected had been stagnant or declining for 20 years. It was in, in everyone's face, but they would not acknowledge it. This president made it impossible to ignore it. And even, even then, with despite his powers of persuasion and logic and the force of his personality, he was opposed universally by the business lobby, by Wall Street, because he is first and foremost an American patriot. He is a disruptor. Uh, he is going against the orthodoxy and the establishment, and now they are—they have been <laughs> throughout fighting back as best they could without actually pulling guns and walking in when uh, you know asking uh, that he uh, withdraw from the White House immediately. Uh, I mean, they've done everything short of that to stop uh, what is uh, the most uh, amazing uh, reversal of, uh, dec- uh, of the country's decline. People said it couldn't be done, uh, including the, his predecessor, Barack Obama, said he would need a magic wand to create 3% growth. He did it uh, within a matter of a year and a half uh, he, by simply doing the right thing, uh, deregulating, opening up the economy and, and insisting that we be energy independent and making certain uh, that all of the conditions were present for that to happen. And now here we are in 2020. We are a nation that is not only the world's largest producer uh, of uh, energy, but we are also uh, energy independent. Uh, We are supporting other nations with that energy. Uh, We have uh, simply pushed back against uh, China uh, that had been not only stealing hundreds of billions of dollars of intellectual property a year without so much as a protest from Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton. I mean, those are three of the worst presidents you could have imagined to put together into a string of presidents uh, that would uh, uh, you know, follow one another, uh, in, talking in terms of the national interest, right. irrespective of your politics. They just were terrible, terrible leaders. I'm talking with Lou Dobbs, author of the new book, The Trump Century. Um, And, you know, I I didn't remember this, or maybe I didn't know it, but you warned about uh, these free trade agreements uh, and trade deficits back in 2007 when you testified before Congress. And, And in your book, you recite some of your warnings. What's amazing to me, Lou, is that, you know, free trade was hailed as a panacea uh, by these global elitists, by Washington insiders, by Democrats, by the media, even some Republicans. And, you know, it turns out that free trade actually meant unfair trade that damaged the United States for decades. And you make this point effectively. 
Uh, Donald Trump changed all of that. And it happened because, and I'm quoting here from your book, page 76, our leaders were chumps, bad negotiators who'd been suckered by craftier leaders and other players who had parroted these free trade slogans and covertly advanced their own national interest. The trade deficit was a scorecard the United States was losing and lewd to the tune of, you know, trillions of dollars in American capital that was being sent to China, not to mention uh, the tens of thousands uh, of lost manufacturing jobs. Uh, The increased trade deficit led to increased budget deficits, mounting debt. It was economically a catastrophe for America. How did Donald Trump change it? He changed it by being exactly who he said he would be as president, the great disruptor. Uh, He came in, you remember, he, uh, and and I think everyone listening to you uh, will, uh, will remember, when he attacked George Bush, he attacks the Bush family uh, in in those uh, debates uh, in in 2016, and people just uh, you could hear the air you know f- flowing through their teeth as a gasp for air uh, it, because it just wasn't done. And then he attacked John McCain because John McCain had called anyone who supports Donald Trump uh, a he called them crazies. And the president was having none of it. Then he said, he's not a hero. And I mean, he slapped him aside. He made it clear that if you're going to say something against him and what he's saying, he is going to double down against you. So if you're going to say something, you better be right. And in this instance, they were wrong. Uh, and they had been uh, for a long, very long time. It was not only the business lobby. It was not only Wall Street. It was not only corporate America. They were crushing jobs. But academia as well, where were our scholars? Economists understand very clearly that if you have a trade deficit, if you have a budget deficit, you will reduce your economic performance. The GDP will decline. It is a fundamental axiom of economics that that high budget deficits reduce GDP. They have to uh, because that is manufacturing, uh, it is whatever the uh, product is, it's not being manufactured or constructed and s- sold in your your uh, in your country. So they knew that when you had uh, uh, you know, budget deficits, 50 years of consecutive trade deficits is what it amounts to, that you had to have at least uh, $5 trillion in lost economic growth. And then there is a compound interest effect. So the number, while it's $5 trillion, is even larger because it would have been compounded and, uh, through, the, uh, through the decades. And, and they got away with lying about it. Greg, yeah. they said it was the, the proponents of free trade became the establishment. They became the, uh, the clergy of economics, the right. high clergy. And they lied, and the scholars did not simply set the record straight. And do you know why? They were on the contract payrolls of corporate America. They were bought out, and it's that straightforward. And then they were ideologically uh, aligned with China. Uh, and so we watched China be built by the United States. Right. And we and China was built on the backs of Americans, uh, right. and middle-class Americans in particular. I had to laugh when I read 
in your book, uh, you know, you say economists are mostly wrong. Uh, and, and by the way, I've believed that since I took my first economics course back in the 1970s <laughs> in college, uh, and I kept arguing with a professor about what I thought was stupid economic theory, which years later, um, I think I was proven correct. Um, but here's how Donald Trump did it. Uh, and, and you go through this in great detail in your book. Um, he instituted tariffs on solar panels and modules, on washers and dryers, on aluminum, on steel. And everybody and his brother said, my God, this is insane. This is going to destroy America economically. We'll get in a trade war that we cannot win. And in fact, all of those critics were wrong. And, Absolutely. and in your book, I have to read this part, page 114. It was classic Trump style. First start with some kind of gauntlet. Throw it down for your adversary. Then, once you have his attention, seek negotiations aimed at forcing still more concessions. You know what's remarkable about that, Lou, is no politician could ever have achieved it. It took a businessman like Donald Trump to do it. And a particular kind of businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's a developer, a promoter. Uh, he is uh, he is smart as hell. And by the way, that's the one thing. The national media, the left, will acknowledge one thing. This president not only outworks all of the uh, his ideological uh, foes, but he's smarter than they are. And he's smarter than the left-wing media. What's funny is to watch uh, our colleagues uh, in the White House press corps get slapped around every day by this man uh, who goes in without a teleprompter, I might add, and just has at it. it. The great thing about him is, he is unafraid to look at things pragmatically. Uh, he is a conservative. He is, uh, he is a man who strongly uh, is, if anyone has not noticed, uh, committed to the interests of this country. He's a true patriot. That gives him a foundational advantage every time he c- confronts a political opponent, uh, opposing uh, views, uh, the press. They haven't a chance. It's not a fair fight. Because he means uh, that the country shall be served first. Uh, It's an inordinate uh, advantage. And, you know, the other thing about it, the left can't acknowledge that. So, you know what they say? They don't talk about his intelligence. They don't refer to what great judgment he has made. What a wonderful decision. No, no. They talk about, you know, he has good instincts. He has, you know, he, he has a good gut on things. They will not acknowledge his cognitive, uh, you know, capacity, uh, which is tremendous. You know, and, and Trump's obsession to remedy the unfair trade, ripping up all of these deals that were killing America and American jobs and wages, mm-hmm. was linked to his passion, you write, to create more and better paying jobs. And, Lou, he did it. In his first three years, almost 7 million new jobs created. Unemployment fell to a scant 3.5%. Yep. Uh, You know, it's really a remarkable achievement. And the left, the left, Greg, really choke on this because despite their panderings, despite the 20-some-odd trillion dollars spent in all sorts of left-wing dependency programs sponsored by the federal government, this president – 
challenged them directly and ended up being, after three years, the president who delivered the lowest unemployment rate in the country's history for African-Americans, for blacks. He ended up delivering the lowest unemployment rate ever for Hispanics in this country. And he didn't do it with a program. He didn't do it by encouraging dependency. He did it by encouraging individualism, uh, self-reliance, and yes, uh, all of the progress that uh, that has come before us uh, meant that we would see prosperity for all Americans, just as he had promised. It's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, I remember well uh, when Trump vowed to revive manufacturing jobs in America. The Democrats and the media immediately labeled that as code for racism and a call for <laughs> white supremacy. And you write about this in your book. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, what was really important uh, about that writing is that you cite this 2016 report by unions and manufacturers that totally blow a hole in that notion of racism um, because the report explores how uh, it really, the decline in factory jobs hurt African-Americans. And when Trump turned it around, black unemployment hit an all-time high, 9 million uh, black jobless rates hit an all-time low. Same for Hispanics, as you just mentioned. Um, and the funniest part of the book is you remark in reference to the accusations of racism, what self-respecting racist would let that happen? Uh, point well made, Lou. And he, he is a man who truly, he loves all Americans. I mean, he really does. Uh, he is, uh, as you know, very well, you know, the man, he's garrulous. He is high energy. He is a man who loves people, period. Uh, and uh, Americans can rest assured in, in, in one thing, this president is on their side every day and will do his level best uh, with every ounce of energy he possesses, and it's, in my opinion, unrivaled uh, energy uh, to do the right thing for the country, to make America great, and to always put America first. He is just a remarkable, uh, remarkable leader. And, and, and that, of course, the left won't acknowledge either. No, of course they won't. Uh, you talk about his grit, his stamina, uh, one humorous uh, a side in the book is, you know, whether he calls you at 7.30 in the morning or 10.30 at night, uh, he has the same energy. You said, well, I'm the same guy at 7.30 and 10.30 at night, but I'm a lot more tired. Uh, well, I, I had to identify with that. Yeah, it, it's really true. And, and you, you know this when you talk to him. I mean, I, he is the same guy also in the sense that he has the same amount of energy at 730. He is he is hard charging into the day. And my goodness, uh, when he gets to 1030, he's still charging. Uh, I'm in need of a recharge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, me too. He's, he's something else. Yeah. Quite, quite, you a, know, there, quite a guy. There is there is so much in this book that people need to read. We can't possibly do it in, in the course of this podcast that runs about a half an hour. Uh, but, for example, in Chapter 13, entitled The New Oligarchs, you write mm -hmm. that Silicon Valley has gone all in on hating Donald Trump. The uh, acronym uh, FANGS, F-A-A-N-G, Facebook 
Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Um, they are immensely powerful. Oh. They control the messaging, don't they? And, uh, you know, are they too big? Do they need to be broken up? Uh, the president has said so. And uh, the Justice Department is bringing antitrust actions along with a number of uh, state attorneys general, uh, I'm, I'm sure you know, uh, to break up uh, Google and to end their anti-competitive practices. The same thing is uh, moving ahead against Apple. Uh, right now, in, in the midst of uh, discussions with the Justice Department uh, and the FTC, uh, it, it's, it is the most powerful group of people in America. Think about this. Uh, Zuckerberg said we don't want to be arbiters of truth, but yet he has created within Facebook a, a council of truth. Uh, and what they are is, in point of fact, a, a, a censorship board uh, and uh, who are, are you know, created to do one thing, and that is to make certain uh, that the left prevails on every uh, issue of the First Amendment within Facebook, its content, uh, and its users' uh, expression. It's horrible to watch. Twitter is even worse. Uh, you know, Jack Dorsey is, is frankly, uh, it's obscene what he has done. Uh, to the First Amendment and, and to fairness within that platform. And it, it, this, and the only countervailing influence to it is the power of government and the president means uh, to bring that power to bear. Uh, and every American should applaud that because that is the essence of uh, maintaining this Constitution, supporting and enforcing this Constitution to make certain that First Amendment is never uh, diminished uh, as the oligarchs of Silicon Valley have done to this point. Uh, one of the, the real values in this book, as you lay out Trump's accomplishments, and, and you say in here, uh, by virtue of those, he belongs in the pantheon of America's greatest leaders. Uh, and, and I was a little skeptical until I finished your book and I went back to that and I said, Lou is absolutely right. But you recount these verbatim exchanges in just about every chapter, verbatim exchanges between Trump and reporters that are incredibly instructive because they illustrate just how profoundly biased and abusive and arrogant the media is. They, you know, and I'm a member of the media, but I view... Uh, others in the media as real villains in in the Russia hoax and the yes. witch hunt and impeachment. They drove the phony false narrative and Trump survived it all. Yep. And you're right. I, I, I mean, think uh, – <laughs> David Ignatius, uh, you know, James Acosta. I mean, uh, th there is a hall <laughs> of shame uh, in, in the, uh, you know, in all of this Obamagate, as we've learned that it is uh, the effort to overthrow a president. It, it's shameless what the national media has done. And it's important for all of us to keep in mind that, yes, this is the fake news that the president described, again, correctly uh, from the very beginning. But that fake news is owned by corporations, again, corporate power, the establishment, uh, whether it's CNN owned by the, <laughs> the uh, gargantuan AT&T, 
No one ever talks about AT&T and why they are permitting the kind of uh, toxic uh, political corruption in their coverage that they do. They should be held to account. Again, we're talking about immense economic power that supports this fake news and these clowns uh, who dare to to uh, operate as they have without any sense of uh, his, history or traditional responsibility on the part of the uh, news media. Uh, it, it's stunning to think, and, and to think that it's Disney uh, that owns ABC News. Right. And the list goes on. Uh, one Comcast. You know, NBC. It's NBC. It's just, it's stunning, and there should be an accounting. And I think in the second term, there will be. Um, how worried are you that the Wuhan virus, and this is my last question, that the Wuhan virus, and you write extensively uh, about Trump's reaction to the, the Chinese virus. Mm-hmm. Um, how worried are you that that has so dramatically changed the equation electorally that re-election for Donald Trump is in serious jeopardy, and all we have to do is look at some of the polls, although, quite frankly, they were wrong the last time around. Right. They, and, they, and I certainly believe they're wrong right now. But uh, as we look at the way those polls are changing, there's one fundamental direction those polls have taken in, in nearly every battleground state and throughout the country. The president is closing what we were told just a month ago was they're closing the insurmountable lead of China Joe Biden. What happened? I mean, suddenly in in Florida, the president has a lead. Uh, Pennsylvania, even Michigan. Uh, Michigan, the the Trump campaign itself was very, very concerned. uh, And and I would even say some of the members of that campaign were scared about Michigan. Uh, Right now, their numbers are showing a significant gain. Uh, This president is in contention. He is competitive in nearly every state in the country, save the obvious blue states like New York, California, and so on, and Illinois. Uh, But I mean, he's he is competitive in Minnesota for crying out loud, Greg. Uh, this is this is why <laughs> China Joe Biden doesn't emerge from his uh, uh, basement until his uh, his handlers uh, read another poll. They get and suddenly they're dragging him out of the basement to he never knows where uh, to say some words that will get him in the least trouble. Uh, yeah. It's funny to watch. It really is. It's comical. Uh, and it's tragic that the national left-wing media has, you know, they um, they have immense culpability in what they've for what they've done to the country. And uh, and you put it best this way: uh, Who best to engineer America's recovery from the deadly, economically devastating coronavirus? The president, President Trump, who led us to one of the strongest economies of all time. Or Joe Biden uh, to to pose the question uh, is to answer the question. Yeah. You know, Lou, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with us today. Lou Dobbs' book, "The Trump Century: How Our President Changed the Course of History Forever," is about to come out. You can order it on Amazon.com, HarperCollins.com, or just go to bookstore a bookstore near you nationwide. It comes out on Tuesday, September 22nd. But you must read this book 
which is brilliantly written and well-argued and well-reasoned. You must read it before you cast your ballot in November. Lou, thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. You're a great American, a great friend. I appreciate it very much. All the best. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for being with us.